This audio is brought to you by motherswhowork.co.uk, the resource for working mums, business mums and stay-at-home mums. This is Joyson Akufo. I'm the founder and editor of motherswhowork.co.uk, the lifestyle website for mums who are serious about making money, be it for an employer or as a business mum. So today I want to talk about what Super Mario has to do with managing failure. Now, if you're a mum of a certain age, I'm not giving any numbers, any ages, but you will well remember Super Mario. Remember the Nintendo game, Super Mario, I think he was Italian, looked like a Michelin man with a hat on, At one point, whether it was during primary or secondary school, you know, we all had the challenge of trying to get Mario to jump and break through blocks and so on and so forth. You might be thinking, my goodness, what a strange connection. What on earth has Super Mario got to do with managing failure? Well, to be honest, the analogy occurred to me when I was thinking about some of the things that I get asked a lot. They often center around starting a business, obviously, because I've had mothers who work since September of 2007. We're approaching our 12th year, would you imagine? Along the way, I've had a number of businesses and currently I have the very successful Geek School Tutoring, which is expanding by the day. It's a tuition business. And I've had lots of other business trials, triumphs and failures along the way. And this is so normal, but many people that I speak to seem to think that if they start a business, it needs to be perfect and polished and failure-proof and if it's not or if it doesn't get the results that they're after there's a sense of personal failure and it really really shouldn't be like that I mean I'm sure that if you spoke to some of the business greats the Richard Bransons of this world I could name so many names but that's not what this is about if you spoke to them they would tell you stories of their failures failures that have lost a significant amount of time and money or one of the other failures that they never saw coming it's all part of learning and i use super mario as an example because if you can relate to that analogy you'll remember all the attempts to get mr mario to jump up or jump across one thing or another and maybe if you didn't hold the buttons down properly get your coordination right before you knew it, the dreaded game over. Your heart would sink. It might be the first life, you've got another one or two and you'd get through back to that stage. And if you were lucky and you actually managed to nail it, he would jump over and you'd be on to the next level. Wahey! And if you weren't, game over. And then you'd have your final life 
the panic of it all, you're going through, and then if it failed, does it mean you would never play Nintendo again? Likely not. You know, the next time you picked up that gadget, you maybe didn't even remember that level, but if you did, you were determined. And then you just pressed on until eventually, you actually managed to get through to that level. You went on to greater levels and so on, and then it just spurred you on, spurred you on and on and on and on. Many hours seemingly wasted, and you know, eventually you got very good, and that level became like nothing. You see where I'm going with this? I see business as very similar to that, and many people see the success of Mothers Who Work, a website of its nature that has stood the test of time. I've seen so many attempts to replicate Mothers Who Work are no longer. Websites that some of you listeners may well have read at the time. I'm a journalist by profession, so at the time that I created Mothers Who Work, being even considered a blogger was a bit of a dirty word, but look how things have changed so much. Bloggers have got a lot of respect, a lot of kudos. You know, many of them are very successful influencers with the kind of reach and impact that many publishers, big publishers with massive budgets, wish they had. Things have changed a lot, but amongst them, so many blogs have failed along the way. But does it mean that those people, that those mums have given up in life? Definitely not. Some of them have gone on to establish really successful businesses. Some of them have started different websites which have taken on a different life form. And some of them are only doing that and that's what's sustaining them financially or their partners have been able to retire off the back of the successes and learning from the failures beforehand. My story is an interesting one because obviously coming from a media background, I was used to working in print magazines that some of them are not even around anymore, but I could start from all the freelancing that I've done. New Woman magazine, if you remember that one, even Glamour magazine, Cosmo, Cosmo is obviously still around, Practical Parenting, Mother and Baby, BBC Good Homes, BBC The Gardens, Wedding and Home, not to mention some of the business titles. So many that, you know, if I were to list them all, I know that I'd even forget some of them. And then I decided at some point that the media and its interesting hours, you know, like a lot of industries where the hours can be a lot less family friendly than we would hope they would be. It just wasn't feasible. It's often okay-ish when your child is at nursery age. You pop them in a private nursery and they're open from eight to six. And somehow between yourself and your partner, if you have one, you make it work somehow. And then sort of take respite at the weekend and then start again on Monday. When baby number two came along four years down the line, it just wasn't what I wanted for life. Obviously, by then, I had one who was going to start reception soon, and the thought of just doing breakfast clubs and after-school clubs Monday to Friday, it just didn't rest well with me. And finding a way for him to do homework when we were getting home at 7, 7.30, after leaving home 12 hours before 
somehow I just didn't think it was the way that I wanted their lives to be. And I had that niggly feeling as well about, well, what happens when he starts secondary school? Will he be a latchkey kid who is basically going to be at home for three hours or so on his own while mum and dad are working and then eventually picking his sister up from after school club and then joining him at home? I just didn't want that. I really didn't. So I've always had that entrepreneurial drive anyway, if I tell you. <laughs> My first official business started in school where I started a computer club and charged the students and every term they'd pay for the computer club and I'd go off and hand that money to the bursar. And it was very rewarding, I could tell you, planning everything they did in the club and all that type of thing. And they were keen to pay, which is quite interesting when your peers and younger peers are happy to pay to get taught how to use the computers, which was quite interesting. So anyway, I've always had that in me. Both my parents had that entrepreneurial spirit and really went for it. So I come back to the point where I had my second child. Basically, during the pregnancy, I created a business plan and a nanny agency. And the plan was that I would finish work, not go back. But during my maternity leave, I was on a one-year fixed-term contract, which came to a lovely end by the time I went on maternity leave anyway. So it was my maternity leave. I wasn't contract-bound to an employer. So I wasn't doing anything illegal. <laughs> I set up the nanny agency and with all the best plans in the world, she wasn't like her brother who just slept all day. I, in my head, I thought, okay, this is going to be easy. I've put everything in place. Literally, once I've had my two to six week respite and bonding, she'll be sleeping. I'll be making my calls. Because it's a nanny agency, we can go out into the community, mother and baby clubs. I can be giving out information and then the business will just grow as baby grows and I won't have to go back to work again. So I started a nanny agency. What I didn't plan for was a child who would have an extreme case of colic and reflux, who cried practically all day and all night, and who was either tied to my chest in a sling or to my back in the African way. <laughs> as westernized as I am and sound, needs must and all of that, it just became a nightmare because I couldn't go out into the community in the way that I wanted. When you're getting batches of one to two hours sleep as the day progress, even answering calls and emails for nannies was a task. I was permanently exhausted. And then as if that wasn't enough, her brother started school. So I had a receptioner that I then had to drop in the morning, pick up. You're going through phonics and all the other homework that school's throwing your way on little to no sleep during the day or night. And then that sort of juggle. I did it for the year, but to be honest, by the time I reached the end of that year, I was fed up. Work just seemed a lot easier and I decided that actually she needed to have that social interaction. 
if you've had a colicky baby before, you'll know that all that holding and trying to console a child who's very uncomfortable for much of the day can make them very attached. So they don't want anyone else but mum. Whether dad's there or not, eventually they want mum. So she needed to go into nursery and sort of integrate with her peers and all of that. And I decided that actually this plan of mine didn't work the way I wanted it to work. Let's go back to work, start from the drawing board, and that would be that. So I then started to focus more again on Mothers Who Work, which by the way, I was still running with this nanny agency. And it just seemed like the media actually wasn't that bad. So the plan was to go back to work for about a year just to get my sanity back, if anything. <laughs> If you can equate working in the media with that, I did at the time. So I went back into work, but I didn't just stay there for a year. For a number of reasons, I stayed there for four years and I was made redundant for the second time in my career. I welcomed it with open arms, but the light bulb moment, I just feel like it was definitely divine intervention. As I was walking from my MD, who was my line manager's office, to my desk, the idea came up for Geek School Tutoring. I had an idea for the logo in my head and all of that, and it was just simply amazing. I haven't looked back since with that business. However, during those four years, I decided that I would start a cupcake and pop business and I built the website, created the logo, spent about £500 on cupcake and pops machines, all the decorations. I actually took chocolate Ganesh course for about four to six weeks as if my week wasn't busy enough, but it was all part of my plan. And I decided one day to do a trial run. We used to have about 100 and so children every Sunday at my church. And I thought, okay, children don't lie. I'm going to test this out on them. And it will also give me a good run of making a massive batch. If I can do this, then, you know, I can do anything. And so I went for it. Bought all the ingredients that were required, started the baking process quite early in the afternoon. And by early evening, it just wasn't finished. And I was exhausted. I knew at that point that I had no passion for making cupcakes and pops. I wasn't enjoying the process and I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. Deep down, I knew that there was a problem, but I'd committed to making these cupcakes for the children and the pops. The kitchen was an absolute mess. I did it, I cleaned up, and in my head, in my heart, I knew this would be probably the last day that I would make pops or cupcakes. <laughs> it just wasn't in me. So, as lovely as they tasted, I knew that this was a fail. Even though I'd spent a significant amount of money and time, not only buying all the resources required and going on the course and all of that, I wouldn't lose anything from learning how to Ganesh chocolate. Knowledge is power and all of that. 
and it was saving me a future of unhappiness doing something that I didn't want to do. And I was pleased that I got the realization before, you know, I'd spent a significant amount of money marketing the business and all of that. Can you imagine, you know, starting something big and then deciding that it isn't for me. This happens to a lot of people, but I always think, well, you could have spent years, a lifetime doing something you hated. So either way, the realization was a good thing. There are other businesses along the way, honestly, you know, lots of things online that I've sort of started along the way. When there was this big boom in e-commerce, you're trying to force an idea into existence. Mothers Who Work itself has had elements of the site that haven't worked. A mumpreneur directory, a jobs board, and all other elements of packages and courses that haven't worked because maybe the readers weren't looking for that. What's worked is the information it provides to the readers and listeners like you and that's always been its strength but when you're trying to force an idea onto an already established website it can kill the website i thank god it hasn't killed the website along the way but i'm just sharing these failures and every one of those is like losing a life on a super mario game did it mean that i shut the website down no did cupcake and pop business that didn't go the way i wanted mean that I would stop even considering starting a business again? No. Did not enjoying running a childcare agency mean that I would never work with any child-related business idea again? No. And all of these have been a way for me to grow and learn from not only the mistakes, but also learn from the different things required to make a business work. So that now, you know, running Geek School, I've had years of starting a business, years of delegating to staff, whether it be in the corporate world, I was senior management after all, or whether it be from running a business and outsourcing different elements of the work required to different people, I've been able to do that based on the failures and the learning from those failures along the way. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're worried about starting a business because you're not sure if it will succeed or not, don't let that put you off. What you need to do is put pen to paper, think about your ideas, do your due diligence. There's something called a proof of concept that tends to be done a lot in IT. It's something that I apply to every area of business that I go into. It's a lot easier than doing a long-winded business plan. And to be honest, I tend not to bother with a business plan if I'm not seeking funding from anybody. If I'm not seeking funding from anyone, then I need to just look at the strengths and weaknesses of the business, look at how I can provide a better business offering than what the competition is offering. Is there room for me? If I was going to open a venue for tuition on a high street, for example, and there are six other tutoring businesses on the high street, is that the best place to position it? Having six may seem like it's an oversaturated market, but then if six are surviving, maybe there's a reason I need to look at all of that. And that's all part of the proof of concept. So it's about learning along the way. 
don't let failures mean that you as a person has failed it doesn't it just means that that idea hasn't worked out you need to learn something from it hopefully use it for your next one or use it just to understand something about business in general never let one stumbling block stop you from achieving your end goal and i know that for a lot of listeners the idea of being self-sufficient having your own business on your own terms is something that you are probably aspiring to something that you've always dreamed of doing and i would say never ever give up start small build it incrementally if it means that you can see more easily what's working and what isn't without having to spend hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of pounds or without having to get investment and then have pressure put on you by them because obviously they want a return on their investment as well there are ways to do this if you go on motherswhowork.co.uk there are lots of tips and advice lots of business ideas that you can start on less than 100 pounds Starting a business doesn't mean that you have to put in lots and lots and lots and lots of money. I used to run these mumpreneur profiles and then rebranded as real mum profiles when one of my non-competitors decided to run exactly the same thing, calling it exactly the same thing. You see some of the challenges along the way of having a website that has done very well and has been around for a long time. I used to profile mums who started businesses on a shoestring. I remember looking at profile of a mum who was on her last hundred pounds, single mum. She didn't know how she was gonna pay the rent, feed her son and have money coming in because she was on benefits and she was really struggling. And she took a portion of that money, created leaflets, had them printed and started offering services to clean. And within next to no time, she had like a whole team of cleaners and her life was completely transformed. It's not always about having everything perfectly set out. So for some of you who are listening, you might think, oh, you know, but I don't have a thousand pounds to start the business. Many businesses actually don't need that. They actually don't need a thousand pounds. It really depends on the business and how you start out. So the lesson here is not to let that put you off. Go for it. Dive in. Really, really go for it. There's nothing that can stop you unless you decide to stop yourself. So that's where I'll end the podcast there. I hope you found that inspiring. If you have that business idea and you haven't started it, this is the time to really give it a go. Go for it. Don't let anything stop you. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast, share it with friends and family and check back in. These will be recorded regularly and I will be hosting guests with a whole world of experience, very inspirational guests on this podcast. So do subscribe so you don't miss out. Thanks again and we'll speak again soon. Thank you for listening to the Mothers Who Work podcast. If you have got this far and you enjoyed what you've just listened to, Please remember to subscribe and spread the love. Share this podcast on your social media accounts and let others enjoy our podcast too. We want to reach as many mums around the world as possible. Speak to you next time.